0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash acast and use code ACAST for twenty percent off your first
0: purchase. Beginnings and endings. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: All right, I'm kind of terrible at it too, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Okay. We go. All right. Here we go. Well, the future's a mystery, but what's new in history today? We have a special guest. I was out on the road. Uh, it's a Sunday night here in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and who popped over? But Gary Stevens from History in the Bible. The- Hi, Bernie. How you doing? I'm awesome. And uh, Gary has a uh, an original contribution to biblical studies more so than his already amazing contribution to biblical studies he's very modest and he'll say no but uh, i find that gary's podcast history in the bible has uh really enlightened me on what's in the bible the history of the bible so and now he has um because I gary is uh, so funny and awesome and i I think he like if he could get some of these scholars, I think he would f- have fist cuffs with them himself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's got his own contribution. Um and it's related to the growth of Christianity in the Roman Empire. And the I'll just say a little and we'll let him take it over. But the the scholars can have it wrong probably, and Gary figured it out, in my opinion. So Gary, tell give us what you've what you've come up with, and we'll talk about it.
0: Okay, well, today, what's new in history is me. Me, 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 <laughs> me, 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 me. I've been uh, interested in things like how did Christianity grow uh, in the Roman Empire? Mm-hmm. Looking at explanations for it. Why did it happen? But let's take a look. The most basic thing you could look at would be the growth in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And that requires a little bit of mathematics. Now, the standard way of looking at growth is exponential growth, mm-hmm. and that is simply the way that your money grows in a bank account. You got a thousand dollars at the beginning of the year; it grows at ten percent. Congratulations, you have one thousand one hundred dollars at the end of the year. Right. That that's exponential growth growth and it makes a nice smooth ever-increasing curve Mm -hmm. and historians have used that model of growth to try and determine the the numbers of Christians in the empire. Unfortunately it is completely the wrong way to do it. Completely. Yes, yes, tell us why for one. Because it leads to absolute nonsense (laughs) absolute gibberish and I mean, one of the nice things about exponential growth is you only need two numbers to describe it. First, you need the numbers of, say, Christians today. Then you need a growth rate, which you make up. Congratulations, you can now predict the numbers of Christians tomorrow. Yeah. So it's a very, very simple mathematical function. And a lot of biblical historians have They've decided. Well, maybe Christians grew at around three point five percent per annum. Mm-hmm. But if you say that, ooh, after a while, you'll find that there are more Christians in the Roman Empire than there are people. <laughs> okay. yeah, that seems to be a problem, yeah, that is a little problem.
2: Yeah. So then, what do they say?
0: Well, then the historians just go. <clears throat> And they fudge it. They say, "Oh well, growth must have slowed down." Obviously. <laughs> oh, and then they just con- they, they, then they just pull another lower growth rate out of their backsides and say, "Obviously, this happened." But in reality, they're just using the wrong
2: model. Oh, okay. Yeah, because otherwise, it would just be even if it was, it would be the more the population of the whole world eventually would just <laughs>
0: exponentially growing. That's right. By the early Middle Ages, there would be more Christians in the Roman Empire than the entire population of the planet.
2: Right. So before you tell me your thing, like, where did they even come up with these numbers? Like, where did they come up with 3.5%? It just I mean, obviously, there was no, you know,
0: no, we, they weren't keeping computers records of whose religion you were and stuff. Well, frankly, they are just guess notes. However, oh, that good. number specifically, 3.5%, comes from an eminent uh sociologist of religion called Rodney Stark. He's an American. I think he died about 10, 12 years ago. Okay. And he decided, because he was he was studying the Mormon religion, he decided, okay, the Mormon religion is growing at about 3.5% per annum. I think this is the rate that the Christians grew in the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So he he just fabricated that. Yeah, right. That's okay. He just said of course, the Christian. Well, we've got no other numbers, so let's pick the number. Then by his thing,
2: his thing, there's probably more Mormons in the United States than there are. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Exactly. All right, so I get that. So that's where that, that number comes from. Okay. And we don't really have brilliant estimates for anything. I mean, we don't really have brilliant estimates for the population of the Roman Empire. Right. Although, although the figure of 60 million at, say, the height of the empire, is a popular estimate. Okay. And you'd think that, I mean, we do have, the Romans conducted censuses every so often. You'd think they'd be really prime clues, but there are big problems with that, because we don't know, in a given census, was it did it just count the men, mm. which is the standard way they do it, because, of course, women don't count. Right, who can use women? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <just> <laughs> Uh, or did it count? with uh, So there's always problems. So just the, the just the sheer numbers of Romans around right. is up for dispute. Anyway, this uh, the standard method, just using economic growth, as used by biblical historians, is just the wrong way to do it. Yeah, that sounds wrong to me. So what did you come up with? Well. Uh, I came, I decided to apply something which has been around for a while. It's called logistic growth. Okay. Now, the logistic growth function was actually invented by some French guys back in the 1840s. Way to go, French guys. Uh, The French guy, I couldn't pronounce their names. I said, Way to go, French guys. That's it. Yeah. Now, one of the odd things about their invention is that, okay, they called it the logistic function, and we have no idea why absolutely no idea Now, now you might think that the word logistic function is related to logistics it's not absolutely nothing to do with it so we have no idea why the function is called that it's just that everyone has called it that <laughs> does it have something to do with my,
2: i'm not very bad good not good at math but is it have something to do with like a logarithm or
0: something like isn't that like a because it's like a curve, maybe, in math? Well, yeah. In fact, it has been said that they called it logistic to distinguish it from logarithmic
2: growth. Oh, all right. Now,
0: now we don't use that term logarithmic growth anymore. We call it, ta exponential growth. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. So maybe the guys, they thought, oh, yeah, well, let's use the word log in here somewhere, but we can't use logarithmic, so we'll just make up a word. Gotcha. Now, um a logistic a logistic growth function doesn't look like a smooth upward curve going to infinity if you map or graph say uh, pr- say number of christians in the empire through time the curve looks like now it's hard to describe and and we're not helping listeners here we'll put i the would call notes. it we we'll see yeah, i here. would call it a lazy s okay or a drunken s a drunken s is nice yeah, a drunken S, because it looks like uh, at the bottom of the S, it's really slow, slow growth, and then it becomes a straight line, which would be the middle of the S, and then it reverses at the top and reaches a a flat, a flatness. Right. Under the mathematics of the logistic function or curve or growth curve, it is impossible. For something to go over a hundred percent, just inherently, uh, and usually it works with proportions of the population. Now, back in the nineteen sixties, this function was used to dis- was used in what is called innovation diffusion theory, okay. which simply looks at how quickly and why and how do innovations spread in an economy, like. Uh, say cars back in the 1920s, microwave ovens, mobile phones, all that sort of thing. Gotcha.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
0: The proportion of people in the population who own a microwave oven, obviously it can never be more than a hundred percent. Right. And the logistic growth function guarantees that. But not everyone wants a microwave oven.
2: No.
0: And in fact there'll be a ceiling, maybe ninety percent of people want a microwave microwave oven, there'll be a ceiling somewhere in the uh population. Now that ceiling is called the carrying capacity. The carrying capacity. Okay. Yeah. So say the carrying capacity of the population for microwave ovens is 85%. The other fifteen percent, no. Nah, we don't want a microwave. We
2: don't want a microwave. No microwaves yeah. for us. <laughs> no microwaves for us.
0: And this growth function also describes things like how bacteria produce. Uh and a uh, a good analogy for the carrying capacity of that is say you have some bacteria on a little you know lab plate grow, grow 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 growing they are going to reach the carrying capacity of their environment when they run out of food oh, okay and their waste interferes
2: so they're going to grow exponentially until it hits something else uh, and that's when the is that no,
0: right the, they they grow logistically
2: first they go, i mean they grow like then they go quick for a while and then they level off is that how it works yes yeah.
0: The first part of the the logistic curve is, in fact, exponential. Okay. But it very quickly becomes just linear, just a straight line. Yeah, it makes total sense. Oxum's razor. And then as the population nears the carrying capacity, say all those little bacteria go, where's the food, man? Where's the food? They will reproduce (laughs) slower. So the top of the curve bends over and then flattens out. Done. Now, now th- this curve has been used widely in innovation diffusion theory for sixty years, at least sixty years, which explains why biblical historians have never heard of it. Ah, for some reason. Well, I must admit, I'm flabbergasted. It- it's like, yeah, right. Yeah, you've got these people who've never heard of addition. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. We got our hands on subtraction. No, no, no. We don't subtract. We have to add. What's add? I honestly don't understand it. It's been used in other social sciences quite widely. Now, I think partly the reason is in the Anglo tradition, history is mainly a literary pursuit. Mm -hmm. People who become historians are probably people who aren't either interested in or good at mathematics. My hand raised right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I must admit, in all the episodes of your and Dan's show, I have never once heard you invoke integral calculus. No,
2: never. Dan no, might know yeah. about it because he's way smarter than me, but not not going to come out of my mouth.
0: Exactly. So that's in the Anglo edition. The Europeans uh, use mathematics and statistics a lot, a lot more than okay. the Anglo's do. I don't know if it's because they get different educations or they're encouraged to do cross-disciplinary stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know in the Anglo tradition, some universities, in fact, this is interesting, I looked up my old alma mater, the University of Sydney, and they actually have a separate department of informatics. Now, I had to look up what informatics was, and it's really helpful, actually. Here's what the University of Sydney's Department of Informatics does, and I quote We provide support, training and expertise in research data management, statistics, data science, software engineering, simulation, visualization, bioinformatics and research computing. So basically, if you're a historian and you've got some interesting data or something, you've got no idea what to do with it, you go to these guys and say, oh, yeah, well, you whack it in here and you do that and this statistical thing uh so that's what ha- tends to happen here
2: that's great i mean that's yeah, what it I is look great yeah. because i mean i always say like we it's it's we you know that with use these like you said multiple just dis- multidisciplinary, we figure stuff out but yeah you know
0: so i thought it was a great idea in my old university to actually have a separate little group so
2: then tell us about this so that's the s-curve so then how does it fit in with with the growth of christianity
0: Well, I am the first person to actually plug in some numbers Ah. and see how the curve actually fits. I found two fairly, I suppose, robust sets of data from two scholars who give estimates of what they think are the population of Christians through time up to about the year 400. Now, one set of figures was... uh, Created by that guy Rodney Stark, I mentioned the sociologist okay. of religion. Another set of figures was created by the eminent uh, popularizer and uh, biblical scholar Bart Ehrman. Okay. And and their numbers differ. They do differ. But they gave enough numbers that I could create two logistic curves, one for each. Okay. For for the growth of the proportion of christians in the roman empire not absolute numbers we're talking about proportions because that's, usually, right. it's like yeah, that's that. usually how it's done
2: right oh, oh i see what you mean the proportion right by percentage of the population you mean by percentage of the population Perfect. so i was
0: looking yeah i was looking at what point in time for example was 50 percent of the population christian gotcha
2: And the more you find out, if historically you could always plug those in
0: and change the exactly. If someone else, yeah. If some other scholar comes up with better numbers, let's make another curve and see what that produces. Yeah, right.
2: There's so many factors that go into it. I'm sure a lot of people are listening and, or in general, you know, and you would think, well, it can't be just you can't just pick two a couple numbers and then, you know, so many things that go into it. But eventually, time does march on, and there will. It will increase and then level off, as you say.
0: Yeah, uh, and and of course there are many things, like uh, for example the uh, the great Antonine plague, right. which reduced, which reduced the population of the empire, this and that. But frankly, the figures we have for say the population of the empire and the number of Christians, everything's a guesstimate, of course, right? And, and even such a massive population disruption as the Antonine plague, well, we've got no idea. And that was what, in the
2: 200s, right? The Antonine. That was in that was in the 200s,
0: right. and we have no idea what that actually did. <laughs> I think it was pretty bad, in my yeah, opinion. From what, yeah, from what I guess too, it seems to have been pretty bad.
2: Yeah, we show. There's a lot. I know, like they do studies with how much uh, smelting is done with metallurgy. Oh, yeah. And they okay. found that yeah, the 200s was like a lot. Of economic activity was down, and just a lot of problems. Yeah, and the and the big plague was one of them. But what yeah. I, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but mm. I guess and I would think people would think too, like it must make a difference certain historical um, events that would change the growth rate, right? Like in the 200s, Christianity wasn't even legal per se in 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 the Roman Empire, so the growth would have been less, right? Until then, it, and when it was legalized in the 300s.
0: Well, in the in the two hundreds is when is when you find the curve turning linear, okay. so it becomes a, a straight line, uh, and linear growth always happens much 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 slower than exponential growth.
2: Yeah, that would make sense because it wasn't the kind of thing where it's
0: easily to easy to spread, mm. right? Yeah. So uh, that was my innovation to actually produce some of these curves, and well, basically say, hey. Have a look at this guys. Everything is rubbery. Everything is based on guesses. But here is, here are two simple models derived from two sets of data and take a look at it. Now the logistic curve does not provide reasons. So for example, let's say you're graphing the uptake of microwave ovens. Yeah. You can, you can map that uh, quantitatively and it'll produce the lovely logistic curve but explaining it, explaining it is a totally different um, right. killer fish.
2: Yeah, because you could be in there as like, well, you know, a microwave blew up and killed a bunch of people, and then it would go down for a little while until, yeah. until that was yeah. taken care of. Yeah. So how does it come up within Christianity? So it starts
0: to go up around the 300s? It starts to, depending on the data you use, it, it enters the linear phase around about, well, just after Constantine and the legalization of Christianity. And in one model, using Rodney Stark's data, the empire hits about 50% Christian about maybe 10 years after, 10, 15 years after Constantine legalized it. If we use Ehrman's data, it doesn't reach 50% until about the year 400. Okay. And given Christianity was legalized about the year 311, that's a century or okay. later. Uh, if we look at the when it hits the carrying capacity. Now, in my models, now, I, I had to nominate a carrying capacity. And yeah. I, I, I purely arbitrarily said, OK, let's assume that the carrying capacity of Christianity in the Roman Empire is 90%. So there will always be at least ten percent of the population who don't want to be in, who don't want to be Christians yeah. for whatever reason. They
2: just don't want a savior. Some people don't want a microwave, and some people don't want a savior.
0: No, that's right. <laughs> so I just picked that out of the whatever. Yeah. Anyway, in the two models that I have, under the Stark model, Chris Dandy reaches saturation. You could you could call it. of the empire, by about the year 400. So that's about 100 years after Constantine and the legalization. Under uh, uh, airman's model, it doesn't reach saturation until about the year 500. Okay. So that's 200 years after Constantine. But, of course, in the year 500, we now have the immense complication of the barbarian invasions. Yes. So... Okay.
2: And That's what I think. These curves, if they were really, if you were able to like actually get the data and go and, you know, and if an alien could come back mm. and take us back in time and we could do it, you'd probably see growth. You know, some up and down, and but the model yeah. would work because you know over average time. But yeah, you would have some ups
0: and downs, and yeah, you'd have ups and downs, and maybe you'd have one logistic curve which works up to the year say four fifty, but then after the year four fifty, there'd be a totally different logistic curve yeah yeah but it's just it's just um a model for heuristic purposes and it's basically put out there to say oh here's something which may be interesting let's take a look at it
2: well i i gotta agree with you i think it's a better way to do it then obviously you can't just exponentially grow it's definitely a good Hmm. way good way and i'm glad you made this contribution i have a question sure about so wasn't it Gibbons who said that, like, wasn't it was his thing with Christianity was what destroyed the Roman Empire?
0: Yeah, pretty much. He didn't really like Christianity. Yeah.
2: What do you think? I mean, it is kind of coincidence that right after the Christians, <laughs> that it. I mean, I know that's a big question, but that seems like it changed the empire a lot, right?
0: Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. Did Gibbon I mean, have the right idea? Hmm. Right. I don't, Oh, jeez, I mean you got uh, fall of the Roman Empire. How many books have been written about that?
2: <laughs> That's a big topic, right?
0: Yeah, there's even been a movie called that, although it had nothing to do with the fall of the Roman Empire uh, There was a movie about um that had Christopher Plummer starring as Commodus, son of Marcus Aurelius, so the movie was actually set in the height of the empire, right. Nothing to do with the fall of the Roman Empire. I never heard of that movie. Oh, it's one of these... It was one of the last of the big epics. All right. Yeah,
2: I think Commodus was a problem, but he... So, so, like, just as so we were talking and throwing out dates and numbers and stuff, maybe I'll just hmm. real quick, like... So... Before 300s, before Constantine, technically Christianity was illegal, right? I mean, did they? Yes. we're not sure if they really persecuted him as much as they say they did. Is that right? No. Uh,
0: no it's pretty clear that, I mean, Christians or the, the church, whatever, loves to think it was persecuted from the year dot. Yeah. All the evidence we have is that all any persecutions were local and sporadic until around about the year 250. Okay. And they were locals. I mean, it, it turns out that most pagan Romans just didn't like Christians. Yeah. They thought the Christians were terrible people. Hmm. Just, um. Why? Do you know why? Well, I've, I've read one analogy which said that the Romans looked on Christians like witches.
2: Okay. That's funny because I feel like the God or like the polytheists are very witch like. Yeah, yeah, you think so. You know, I they're mean. boiling animals and cutting things and making all kind of weird,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but no, right from uh, early stages, about the year 100, you have, when, I mean, Christianity came to the attention of the Roman state around about the year 100. Okay. And we have Governor Pliny writing to the Emperor Trajan going, well, you know, these guys seem pretty off, but they don't seem to have done anything illegal. What should I do with them? Yeah, and Trajan yeah. writes back – yeah, and Trajan writes back – it's sort of like the American army, we, we, you know, we're being gay, you know, don't don't say, don't – Oh, don't ask, you know, don't tell. That's right. Don't ask, don't tell. Okay. And Trajan's, Trajan's attitude is, leave them alone, but, but if they're actually stupid enough to deny my divinity and the fact that I am the El Supremo boss, okay. Okay. Then, then you then you can take care of them, right? But but don't go hunting for them. Yeah, It's just too alone. much effort. Yeah, leave them alone. Uh, and the only organised, I think the first organised persecution of the Christians is around about the year 254 under the Emperor Decius. Okay. That was pretty bad. But nowadays, I mean, it used to be thought that Decius was just, you know, nutso against Christians. But nowadays, it's thought that what Decius was doing was basically asking everyone in the empire. Swear loyally to me, your shiny new emperor, because we've had twenty emperors, one every six months. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, I think it's time for some stability. So what may have happened is that the Christians just got caught up in that. Okay, because they didn't like swearing allegiance to the emperor. Mm-hmm. They they their allegiance was to Jesus and God. Hmm.
2: What about the Jews? Did they did they swear allegiance to the emperor? Because I know they're always getting themselves in a lot of trouble. In the empire. <laughs> they were. They
0: actually had special exemptions not to. Okay. They were used to enough
2: of wars with them, let's let them go.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but I suppose right from the beginning, right from when the, the Romans during the Republican period encountered the Jews, they respected Judaism because they knew it was quite ancient. Okay. And the Jews said, okay, well, look, we are happy to go to our big temple and sacrifice for the emperor. But we couldn't possibly sacrifice to the emperor. Okay. Now the Romans didn't really get the distinction, but they said, "Okay, all right. We're not quite sure what you're on about, but fine. Sacrifice for, but not to." Okay. Yeah, that was a good compromise. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was a good compromise. But eventually, during the Great Revolt, the Jews said, "No, no sacrifices at all."
2: And that was about 130, or that was about 70. Uh, there was that was one at seventy. Oh, at seventy, right? Okay.
0: Yeah. And and when the when the Jews said that, that was basically saying, "We're in revolt. We're in revolt. Piss off, Romans." Yeah. And then they burned the temple down. Then they burned the temple
2: down. Then Christianity really started to make a like I think make more inroads, right? After that.
0: Yeah, I, I I think from what I've seen, the the general evidence would be is that Christianity is still a sect of Judaism. Mm-hmm. Until the temple burns and the, the fractionation of the two takes at least another 60 years when Christians aren't quite sure what is our relationship to Judaism. And it's not really until about the year 135, which is the, the revolt of Bar Kosovo. Okay. That, that the Christians finally and definitively say, nope. Jews nothing to do with us. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so then within a few
2: generations, they knew that they were separate.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You know, about think, yeah, so.
2: You know what I think about your your, your new uh, your 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 theory or your you know this uh, formula? It would be really cool if you could like if somebody can make a program and you could punch in a lot more numbers, like by year, you know, like like the growth of this year may have been negative because a lot of people died. Yeah. You know, and the growth this year, maybe it was around here, you know, just sort of fudge it and then maybe mark the highlights of the, you know, things that happened. Council, you know, Edict of Milan, 313 AD. Yeah. Council of Nicaea, 325 AD. Like, maybe it would, Jack, you know, when 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 was Christianity? I think I know. was the official state religion in three eighty so by then you would think then it would really start to crank up, right
0: ah uh, yeah, that's it, I think, um yeah, it became the state religion um three eighty three ninety yeah so um yeah you you're pretty if you weren't a Christian by then, you didn't tell anyone,
2: yeah, right, so by that point, right, that's when you hit your your spot, so mm. that's interesting though. Now, I think I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Rome itself, right, was one of the one of the like longest holdouts. So they were stay kept the paganism longer, right?
0: I'm just trying to think. I know there are many. There are famous incidents of sort of um, noble Romans who very late were pagans. I think yeah, yeah. as late as the reign of Theodosius. Yeah, uh, there's the famous incident. What was it? The the statue of victory in the Roman Senate. Yeah, 17th?
2: something with that, right?
0: Yeah, and and I think the emperor wanted to get rid of it because it was a pagan symbol and some very notable Romans. I think the name Symmachus comes to mind and says, oh, no, man, you know, there's still some of us around, and we're real smart, and we know Homer. Yeah, so can right. we Yeah, can we please have it? Please, please, please. Right. And, in fact, from what I've just uh, been reading, it seems that the growth of Christianity in the early centuries was from the middle down. So basically... It starts with people like a typical Roman cobbler. Okay. Lower, lower middle class. Merchant class, that kind of thing. Merchant class, that sort of thing. And in the opening centuries, it spreads downward to the poor and eventually slaves. And it's not really till the time of Constantine and legalization mm-hmm. that it really starts pushing up into the upper classes.
2: Right. That would
0: seem to make sense. It would make sense. Yeah. Because in a sense, the upper classes didn't need it. But after it became compulsory, and at some point, the Roman state said, right, you want to be a consul or a general or whatever, got to be a Christian. Right. And at that point, the upper classes thought, okay, now it's getting serious.
2: Yeah. And within a couple of generations, then you would, um, you know, nobody would kind of remember.
0: Yeah, I suppose no one would remember. They'd just be... um, It'd be something like, you know, like your great grandma knew.
2: Yeah, right. If your great grandmother uh, was a Christian already, or maybe she was a pagan and she switched. Yeah, and inn, she know.
0: switched. And, and maybe if you're in the middle classes, you'd still have one or two of the little, you know, statues to the household gods. Yeah. But, but now But now they're put in a box somewhere.
2: Yeah. Maybe you paint a little veil over the Aphrodite statue yeah. <laughs> and make the Virgin Mary cover her breast. Oh, oh, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's great. I, you should, I'm announcing out to like if you have get an intern or somebody make a spreadsheet, you know, punching all those years and just you know, I know it's a lot of estimates, so you can put a lot of different things in there and see how the curve comes out.
0: Well, all we need is for someone to actually construct the data.
2: Yeah, to construct the data, but you can't obviously do it because I mean, you could do it, but it all be uh, what's the word? Um, you know, just conjecture we don't want to know yeah. what grew by two percent this year and how many babies they had and how many people yeah. died and because that's the other thing with religion that's why but the mormon religion i mean it they had a lot of babies um one of the best no. ways i think to grow a religion is to like be born into it right it's hard to like convince somebody when they're old they're like hey this is how about this and you're like that doesn't sound like that, that, that makes true. sense yeah, at yeah. all
0: Yeah. the simplest way for a religion to increase is produce children
2: yeah, right. So I bet you that that, you know, the real exponential part of the curve started after it was allowed and then more so once it was made and then by then then of course it levels off because some people don't want a savior, some people don't want a microwave.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, they're very, they're very comparable.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> Hey, sometimes my microwave is my savior. Yeah, that's just what I was thinking. <laughs> Save
0: me, <millions>. uh, <laughs>
2: I gotta get to make a bumper sticker. My microwave is my savior. Yeah. <laughs> We're terrible. We're gonna be, you know. So, all right, that's great. I mean, I think that um, I think we solved the mystery and what's new in history here. Yeah. Uh, okay, Bernie.
0: Well, thanks for having me on.
2: Well, thanks for coming over and being on. It was great to have you. It was great to talk to you again. I listen for my podcast listeners. I know I talk about it a lot, and I talked to Dan about it. But Gary, with two R's, history in the Bible, is, I mean, I don't know how to say I was searching myself for so many just questions in the Bible, and and your podcast just answered so many, and just, it's like, and you you know, it goes chronologically, and you could, and it goes through each book and explains what was happening then, and. It's really it's a really great podcast. I mean, there's you could say, you know, this is your only original contribution to biblical studies, but I feel like you've made a big contribution to, like, biblical studies, at least for average people. You know, maybe the those guys who fight each other with scissors because they know everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that's just how that is. We need people like that, too, because you can't just say, this is how it is, because, you know, we're fudging in numbers and stuff in here. But, I mean, for big picture to really understand... A lot of this stuff that's in the Bible, I think, um, for anybody, even if you are a religious person, it's just not a non religious, it's just a, it's not like anti religious, it's just a non religious look at the Bible. Would you say that? I mean, the history, in the history of it.
0: Yes, it's a non religious look at the Bible. Yeah. In in which I try not to offend anyone. Yes, you do.
2: You do try not to offend anyone, and I'm sorry yes, if but... I offended anyone with my <laughs> Aphrodite comment.
0: Well, thanks for those kind words, Bernie, and I must admit, I, I thoroughly enjoyed enjoy your show with Dan as you march line- linearly, linearly, that's a hard word to say, yeah. linearly through Ness history. <laughs> Not in <a> Donetsk. <laughs> hey, when, when, when do you intend to stop? When you reach the modern day or what? I don't know
2: if we'll ever get there. So Dan started a podcast in 2014. I got on, on involved in 2018. He started going uh, forward from 1000 BC. When I jumped mm-hmm. in in 2014, it was... Uh, I'm sorry, 2018, it was um, the 680s, and now we are, we'll are. be recording an episode in the 550s. So it, we go, you know, and there's a lot more information, so like we might have eight episodes on the 550s, literally, because we do every area of the world, you know, we do China, yeah. we we can't always get the, um, some places like India and the Americas, but like we always have stuff on Greece, we always have stuff on the Middle East, we always have stuff on China, you know, and it's, it, there's a lot of major events in history. So Dan always said he'd think he wouldn't be able to do it after 500. But I think, I, you know, I'm going to keep plodding along until Alexander, at least, I think.
0: And okay.
2: I'm in my mid-50s, and maybe you know, yep. when I retire, I'll just do this <laughs> a lot more. And if the Patreons give me lots of money, I'll, I could just do it all the time. I'll, yeah. The modern era, I don't know. That would be crazy. Be like, we're in
0: the 1940s.
2: There was a war. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. so Well, I, I think one of the admirable th- one of the admirable things about your show is that it has a nice light touch to it. Thank you. It, it's not like reading some dreary textbook.
2: Yeah, we try to have some fun with it. I think it's and that's me too. I'm a little bit I do a little comedy, so we sort of joke around a little a little bit during our show. So I, I think it's a lot of fun. I hope people um, it's kind of a niche. You know not everybody's into ancient history decade at a time, but if you are and a uh, good, good, good listen, I think you'll enjoy it. You have Swedish yeah. accents and Sp- and uh <laughs> <Scrant> accents,
0: <laughs> yeah, oh that's right. that Swedish accent when he was talking about the white King.
2: yes, that was great. The
0: white kings I think the, the what <laughs> the So who? Yeah, Dan was talking
2: about Vikings, but you know with yes. the accent he's he, Gary thought it was white kings,
0: <laughs> yeah, the Vikings. Uh, who they, what, have we turned into a game of thrones show now yeah. i mean what the hell
2: it's great um but us english speakers here with the but that's all we speak and these other guys and these around they speak yeah. all these languages it's amazing to me they're so smart
0: yeah but yeah yeah we we seem to be surrounded by people a lot smarter than us
2: yes but well, you're you're smart too though gary gary's awesome and 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 so on our i'm sure he's gonna post it on his too and I'm going to post in the show notes, because all that that he said, and the S-curves, you could see them and everything, he has them on his website, History in the Bible. Where Where is it on there? Because I know you sent me the link.
0: Oh, I, I couldn't navigate um, to
2: it. But I, the link will be in my show notes here. So
0: Yeah, I so, can email you the link.
2: Yeah, I have the link. I'm looking right at it, so I'll have it in the show notes. But if you go to History cool. in the Bible podcast it's it's on there too the, the his his um website which is amazing he's got maps everything on there all the episodes the show notes is com. and we don't have all that on our website so don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so 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 much thank you Gary for helping me out with a what's new in history and congratulations on your uh on your contribution to biblical studies